Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Chris Terracone. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Michael Barrison, who is charged with the attempted murders of Lauren Kanarek and Robert Goodwin in Long Valley, New Jersey. Kanarek was struck in the chest by two bullets from Barrison's weapon, and as it was undisputed that Barrison fired those shots, his legal team argued that he was not guilty because he was legally insane at the time of the shooting, and in the alternative because he fired those shots in self-defense. In our last episode, we continued our look at the cross-examination of Dr. Charles Hassan, a psychologist who observed and performed tests on Michael Barrison within three months of the shooting. On today's installment, we conclude our exploration of Dr. Hassan's testimony. That's all coming up right after the break. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's early afternoon on April 7th, 2022. Having taken the morning off, Judge Stephen Taylor gavels in the session and invites Dr. Charles Hassan to retake the stand. As we ended our last episode, Prosecutor Christopher Shellhorn was asking the witness about information in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, or DSM. After the witness is sworn in, Shellhorn continues that line of questioning. Good afternoon, Doctor. Good afternoon. I think uh, where we left off yesterday was asking you some questions about the DSM. Uh, would you agree with me that there's no diagnosis in the DSM that's dispositive of any legal standard? I don't know about that. I doubt it. Because um, psychiatric diagnoses and legal standard are two separate domains, so they may not uh, overlap. So meaning that if you find or diagnose someone with a specific diagnosis, that doesn't automatically mean they meet a legal Well, first of all, I spelled out in my report in a lot of detail that when you're doing a, a report, you have to uh, determine the purported uh, forensic report, the purported intent of the action. Then what you have to do is to link the purported intent with the diagnosis, those two. Then the third step is to take those two factors, the diagnosis, the purported intent, and then relate it to either diminished capacity or a criminal uh, responsibility. So if you skip the steps, rather than getting, you know, do step one or step two, you have to do all three. So to answer you directly, unless you spell it out, there's no set standard for a relationship between diagnosis and the legal standard. Meaning that just because you diagnose someone with delusional disorder, it doesn't automatically mean they meet a legal standard. I think on page 25 of your book, they point out the fact that these are the steps you have to do. You have to relate the diagnosis to some kind of functional deficit, relate the functional deficit to the diagnosis. So I think you're saying that you agree with me. I don't know what you, I'm sorry to say it this way, but I'm not sure I fully understand what you're, you're, you're thinking. If you, if you die, and maybe just try answering my question. Diagnosis does not necessarily mean that it meets a particular standard. You have to demonstrate 
according to DSM-5, the steps along the way, how you went from the purported intent, the diagnosis, those two factors, and then related to the legal statute. So if someone is diagnosed with delusional disorder, it doesn't automatically mean that they meet a legal standard. Correct. You have to demonstrate the connection. That's stated clearly in the DSM-5. Now, you uh, were aware of Dr. Simmering's diagnoses before you rendered your opinion? Uh, yes. And you agreed with him that this defendant suffers from delusional disorder, persecutory type? Yes. You would agree that a person with delusions is capable of knowing right versus wrong? It depends on the situation because paranoid delusions is a dimension. And I said the other day, it goes from normal population into very disturbed people. So it depends on what part of that normal curve you're talking about. You'd agree with me that a person with delusions could understand the nature and quality of their actions? You, you totally have to spell that out a lot more. It depends on the circumstance. There's not like a black or white type of delusional disorder. It, it, there's dimensionality here. Doctor, how do you define a delusion? I, I mentioned the other day, if there's an experience, then there's a belief based on incorrect thinking that comes to a conclusion that the person is not going to change no matter what kind of argument you give. So it's a thought that was produced incorrectly. I gave examples when I interviewed uh, Mr. Barrison of the uh, odd thinking that he had. And I thought it was an unusual you know, finding, but then I see that some other people completely independent of me, but on a much higher level, have observed the same thing with regards to delusions, that it's a cognitive processing difficulty. Someone from um, University of Hawaii has written extensively on that, but I didn't know that before I observed those behaviors in him. So would you agree with me that a delusion is a false belief? It's a false belief, yes. What is Michael Barrison's specific delusion? Well, I touched on it yesterday in his set of fireworks. He felt, he believes that if he was, he or Mary Haskins was incarcerated for some purported DIFUS violation, that uh, the children were going to be hunted down and killed. He felt that very strongly. I don't believe that, but... So his specific delusion was... Not delayed... I'm sorry to interrupt. Thank you. So his specific delusion, in your opinion, is related to an incarceration arising from the DC. It's so much broader than that. His delusion is this incredible fear. He's frightened that his life, Mary Haskins' life, the children's life will be snuffed out. That's why he sent the boy to North Carolina. He was frightened. He got very upset when he saw that Robert Goodwin was uh, searching the internet for information regarding the children. He took that information and misconstrued Doctor, doctor, didn't I see counsel? Judge Taylor and Prosecutor Shellhorn interrupt Dr. Hassan, who, for the second time, made an assertion regarding the activities of Robert Goodwin that was not in evidence. We will return with Judge Taylor's instructions to the jury regarding Dr. Hassan's testimony right after the break. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. After the sidebar conference, Judge Taylor offers his instructions to the jury regarding Dr. Hassan's testimony about the activities he ascribed to Robert Goodwin. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, I need to strike that answer. It's an improper answer. I struck it yesterday. I'm striking it again today, and hopefully we won't hear it again. You understand that, doctor? Correct. No evidence supporting that. Well, please disregard it. Don't consider it in your deliberations. Ask your next question. Doctor, if you don't understand my question, please just ask me to rephrase it, and I'll do the best that I can. I will. So and, even, specific- and even if you understand the question, just answer his question to the best of your ability. If Mr. Belinkus needs to follow up with you, he'll follow up. We call that redirect. Answer the prosecutor's question. So my question is not about the basis for your opinion. My question was, what is the specific delusion that you have diagnosed for Michael Barrison? He feels his life is threatened by Lauren Canarac and Robert Goodwin. When did that delusion, that specific delusion, start? Well, it started over a period of time. I would say well over a month. It gradually increased in intensity. But it wasn't just like two days. It was well over several weeks or many weeks. What specific piece of evidence do you rely on that the delusion began well over a month before the shooting? Well, no one can tell exactly when the delusion began, but based on his responding to information he was told, he read, and things that occurred, it made him more and more frightened. You didn't identify in your report a specific piece of evidence that shows that the delusion began well over a month before the shooting. I didn't, uh, no, I didn't know. And you'd agree with me that among the diagnostic criteria for delusional disorder is that the delusion existed for at least one month. Yes, I understand that. Now, you found that the defendant suffers from a subtype of delusional disorder, persecutory type? Yes. What are the symptoms or characteristics of persecutory type delusional disorder? Well, as it says, he feels as if there's a danger out there. He feels threatened personally. He feels that uh, all the things he's doing are being monitored, and he feels as if uh, that someone can plan to kill him. And I'm not talking about Michael Barrison in particular. I'm talking in general. In what general, are the characteristics of the general, subtype of persecutory delusion? In general, the person believes that there's some threat in the outside environment to him, and if it was analyzed by the people, they might, people would not come up with that conclusion. So it's a false belief that the person is in danger that other people don't agree with. Correct. The last part I didn't follow, that other people don't agree with. Wasn't the last part of your last answer that if other people didn't see it, well, or other people would try to talk the person out of it? Yes. So you'd agree with me that persecutory type delusional disorder could be characterized by a person having a false belief that there was a danger to themselves that other people didn't agree with? Yes. That's broadly speaking about it. Now, you indicated earlier that you received a version of events from Michael Barrison. Yes. And was that both in uh, combination with your interviews with him 
as well as reviewing the written statements that he gave to Dr. Simring? Yes. You'd agree with me that by the time you met with him, he had received discovery in this case? Yes. And you'd agree with me that by the time he wrote those statements for Dr. Simring, he had received discovery in this case? How does he know? Yeah, I'm not sure this witness would know that. Well, he could say that he doesn't know that. Do you know that, doctor? No. No, of course not. Did you ask him that? Did I ask him whether when he received the discovery? Did you ask him, or were you aware if he had access to discovery when he wrote the written statement? No, I don't know that. Now, you wrote in your report that among the defendant's fears were that he told police that Lauren Cantor had weapons. Yes. Did you listen to any of the 911 calls in this case? Yes. And you're aware that on July 31st, he would ask, he was asked if weapons were involved or mentioned, and his response was no. Correct. Objection, Judge. We see a time more. After a brief sidebar conference, Edward Belinkus's objection is overruled, and Prosecutor Shellhorn is allowed to ask his question. Dr. Hassan, I'm just going to re-ask the question again because I'm not sure at what point I stopped. But you're aware then that on the July 31st call to 911, the defendant was asked, were any weapons involved or mentioned? I'm aware he was asked. And you're aware that he responded no? Correct. You're aware that on August 1st, he called 911? Yes. And on that call, he was asked if weapons were involved or mentioned, and his response was no? Correct. You're aware that on August 3rd, he called 911? Yes. And he was asked whether weapons were involved or mentioned? Yes. And his response was, I have not heard a word of that? Okay. Are you aware on August 5th that he called 911? Yes and he was asked if weapons were involved or mentioned? Correct. And his response was, not so far? Correct. You also, I think, testified yesterday, and it's in your report, that Michael Barrison told you that he believed Lauren Kanarek had declared war on him. Correct. On the July 31st call to 911, didn't he indicate, this is war, and I've had enough of these people, I need them gone? Yes, I read that. Did you ask him what he meant when he said, that it was war with Lauren Canarac? I took him at his face word about his view that uh, Lauren Canarac had uh, issued some comments earlier that he had read using the word war. And then after listening to the 911 call from July 31st, where he said, this is war, I've had enough of these people, I need them gone, you didn't ask him what he meant by that? No. And you agree with me that on July 31st, when he called 911, or around the time he called 911, he didn't shoot anyone then? No. Now, I think, doctor, you talked in your report and indicated that the defendant was taken to St. Clair's Hospital. Well, I saw on one of the forms it said St. Clair's Hospital emergency at the squatter. So that was a, Saint, that was a mistake in your report? No, I was I did I say St. Clair's Hospital? It said St. Clair, it was a staff member for Saint, from St. Clair's. Well, I can direct you to uh, page 11 of your report, which is S88. And I believe you wrote on the August 7th entry, emergency medical staff at St. Clair's Hospital reported that on arrival. Correct. The way I interpreted was that these people said, since it said on the form, St. Clair's Hospital, I assume they were sent from St. Clair's Hospital. That's why I wrote that. Now, you also, uh, you referred to that report, uh, that EMT report? Yes. I think you testified some yesterday about when you were asked questions about various types of amnesia and psychogenic amnesia, dissociative amnesia, you were asked the question uh, and you responded uh, with an answer about traumatic brain. Do you remember that? Correct. Now, you're aware that there's no diagnosis of traumatic brain injury in this case? Not from the experts. There was a rule-out diagnosis of TBI with altered uh, mental status. Who gave that? One of the doctors. 
I think the doctor who wrote down the adjustment disorder had a rule out diagnosis of uh, TBI with uh, altered mental state. But you're aware that nobody actually diagnosed any traumatic brain injury? Correct. Doctor, you never asked Michael Barrison about when he first obtained Ruth Cox's gun, did you? I did. Is that in your report? I don't know if it is, but from my recollection, he told me that she came in very late at night and um, he asked if she had a weapon and he thought that the cars could be subject to uh, either scrutiny or being opened and that he thought that she should put the weapon in his safe. Would it surprise you to know that none of that is in your report? Okay. You didn't think that that was a salient detail to include in your report? I don't think it mattered what time, when, or what time he put it in. So you don't think him obtaining the gun that he's accused of using to shoot two people several days later, that when he obtained that, you don't think that that matters? I don't think it's, for at least for me, I don't feel it's pertinent to my conclusion in the case when he received the gun, when he put it in the safe. I have no further questions, Judge. Judge Taylor next invites Edward Bolinkus to follow up with Dr. Hassan on any areas covered during the prosecution's cross-examination. What? Redirect. Doctor, yesterday the prosecutor was showing you numerous articles and different books with regards to uh, psychiatry. Do you recall those? Yes, I do. Is there an equal number of articles and books that say the exact opposite thing that he showed you? Without a doubt, 200%. As a matter of fact, after I left yesterday, I read the book that Mr. Shellhorn referenced. And so the record is clear. You had never been shown that book or given advance notice that he was going to show that to you, correct? Without a doubt. I didn't know about that book. I didn't know about that reference. Now, did you read that book? Last night I did. I got it through Kindle, and, and it explains the mystery. What, if anything, would you like to say with regards to that in reference to the specific things that he showed you? Well, in Chapter 3, that's the chapter he showed me. Judge, not to interrupt, but could we just so the record is clear, uh, I showed Dr. Hassan a number of things yesterday, but just so the record is clear, he can indicate what he's reading from, mm -hmm. which book he's referring to. This is the book by John, I want to say Bachelor, it's not, I forgot his, I forgot his uh, Butcher, Butcher. Yes, James Butcher, James Butcher. Uh, John Bachelor is a radio personality, or was. The particular item that he, that uh, Mr. Shellhorn showed me was a paragraph describing uh, paranoid features if someone had a high score on scale six. And I noticed when I looked at it, there was no numbers in there. It just- When you mean no numbers, what do you- No scores. There's no scores. I, I, I was taken aback and it was so short. What's the significance of scores? Well, it's low, medium, and high. They're completely different. There was none of that in there. So I got the book via Kindle last night, and I read that section. Yeah, I understand why. Because the author of the book said, I suggest you look up articles by other experts to get more in-depth information. This is what he wrote. Chapter three provides a brief. Can I just ask what page we're reading from, Judge? I have the book here so I can follow along. Well, I have it from location 897 in the book, so I can't tell you. It's somewhere in chapter three, in the area where you showed me that there were no T-scores. You had me look at that with you. Continue, Doctor. Chapter three provides a brief overview of each of the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory-2, in parentheses MMPI-2, clinical, content, and supplementary scales in turn. More in-depth information 
On each of these scales is available in any of the standard MMPI-2 reference books, such as Butcher, Butcher and Williams, Friedman, uh, Bolinsky, Lewin, uh, Nichols, Graham, and Green. So over here, yes, this is a typical reference book by David Nichols, who was quite nice to me one time when I called him up. Now, if you look in this book here, it gives specific information on scale six, and I referenced it in my report. If you're very high on scale six, paranoia, and you're low on schizophrenia, it suggests that the person has a encrusted delusional disorder targeted to one particular person. And um, a high score on scale six is indicative or suggestive of a delusional disorder. I gave other references there, but that's what I found yesterday. Okay. Now, with regards to his questions concerning feigning, is it correct if I can simplify the term as someone telling the truth? Not telling, if you're feigning and not telling the truth. Right, so I mean whether, whether or not someone is telling the truth, correct? Correct. Now, with regards to Michael's repeated statements to first aid people, to EMS personnel, Morristown Medical, Morristown Hospital, and the Morris County Correctional Facility, where he said he didn't remember. Did you take into account those specific medical reports and references with regards to your determination as to whether or not Michael Barrison was feigning? Well, feigning is determined by testing. It's not determined by just your, your subtle opinion. If I found no evidence of feigning, either personality or cognitive or neuropsychological with them, with the exception of the Tom that's questionable results there anyway. So to answer you directly, I found no evidence of feigning. Uh, there was repeated uh, references that he couldn't remember the event. In addition to your testing, do those references close in time to the incident confirm whether or not that testing is accurate? I don't know about that. I mean, to me, consistently, he reported he couldn't remember. He was dazed. There were statements that uh, he had partial consciousness. And that's consistent with the possibility of a mild TBI or some type of uh, extreme anxiety that obliterated that memory. Now, with regards to his statement testified to where he allegedly said, I'm sorry, in the hospital, were you aware that... Prior to that, he was injected with 100 milligrams of fentanyl. Yes. And, and what, if anything, would that drug fentanyl have uh, to do with Yeah, I, I don't know that he's qualified to say that. He's not a medical doctor. Are you familiar with the effects of fentanyl, doctor? Well, Same objection. Yeah, yeah if, if you're going to pursue this, I need to have a 104 hearing outside the presence of the jury. I'll move on, Judge. All right. Questions withdrawn. Yesterday, the prosecutor was asking you questions uh, as to whether or not someone's mistaken belief would affect your delusional diagnosis. Did you review the safe sport complaint that Lauren Canarac made against Michael Barrison? Yes. Were there allegations of Judge sexual I'm to misconduct? Uh, hold on, there's an objection, Mr. Belinkus. I, I didn't finish the question. I, I know, and there's an objection. It doesn't mean you keep talking when there's an objection. As the sidebar conference was not recorded, the basis of the prosecution's objection is unclear, but Judge Taylor sustains it and Edward Belinkus asks another question. Prosecutor asked you questions about the 911 call? Yes. With regards to questions that were repeatedly asked with regards to those specific instances, 
did the questions concerning weapons have to do with those? This is going to call for speculation. How, how does this witness possibly know that? If he heard the nine calls, he would have. And you're, you're asking him to interpret the questions and what was asked by the police officer and what, what the police officer was asking? Can't answer that question. You have any follow-up? No, thank you. All right, you may step down, doctor. Thank you. And with that, Dr. Hassan leaves the stand. Edward Belinkus then tells Judge Taylor that he has no further witnesses. And with that, we conclude this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Michael Barrison. Join us on our next installment as we hear from the prosecution's own expert witness intended to rebut the testimonies of Drs. Simring and Hassan, forensic psychologist Dr. Lewis Schlesinger. If you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracon. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and the trial audio is courtesy of Law & Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Michael Barrison.